Welcome to Joey's Horror Corner, where we talk about everyone's favorite scary genre. My name's Joey, and today we're going to be talking about Psycho, one of the most famous movies both in horror and in general. The content that it had really pushed the boundaries of what was allowed to be in a film at the time, which both started modern horror as a genre and allowed the film industry as a whole to make more edgy content, which I'll be explaining a little bit more why later in this podcast, so stay tuned. Before we can get started into talking about the plot itself, it's important to know the time frame that this movie was made. It came out in 1960, which means there are these production protocols called the Haycos in place. They were made in the early, late 1920s, early 1930s, basically saying that there couldn't be any edgy content like violence or language allowed in movies because they believed that they would encourage their audience to do violent or vulgar things. So with the Haycoats in place, most movies could be really only about a PG rating, and even though we know that fans of action movies aren't violent, horror fans aren't murderers, they didn't know that at the time. When Psycho came out, no production studio would accept Hitchcock's script because they said this, we're not allowed to publish this, this is too risky. And since because Hitchcock was a big director at the time, people already knew who he was, he decided to make this movie on his own, which is usually known as an indie film. So he funded everything himself and therefore didn't have to follow the Hayes Code. Because it was such success and it was so beloved by audiences, it challenged the Hayes Codes, which were very soonly after taken down, which allowed Hollywood, known as New Hollywood, to take a more active, edgy approach to films, which is why movies changed so much in plot in the 1960s. Psycho begins with two characters, Marion and Sam, who are boyfriend and girlfriend, who discuss wanting to get married, but they can't because of Sam's debt. This is during Marion's lunch break, and so after this she goes back to work, where she finds a client has left $40,000 in cash, which is worth a lot more than $40,000 today, back in the 60s. And she's told that she needs to go to the bank to put it in as a deposit, since she's tempted by the incredible amount of money, instead of going to the bank after work, she takes the money with her and starts to drive to Sam's apartment in San Francisco. And on the way there, since she can't make the entire trip, she decides to get a car with some of the cash, which is obviously suspicious, so the guy who sold her the car contacts the police to just report the suspicious character. In the middle of her ride there, it starts raining, so she pulls over to a motel to spend the night called the Bates Motel. She comes in very frantic and nervous with a bag of money in hand, and she meets Norman Bates, the manager of the motel. She tells her she wants a room, he notices her very nervous character, and he offers to have a cup of tea or a short dinner with him since she's the only one there. She accepts, and they just have a conversation where they mention Norman's mother, who he takes care of in his house right next to the motel. He's a bit of a fascination with her, very much a mother's boy, where he, in her old age, is the only one to take care of her instead of the vice versa. After the drink, she goes to her room, puts the money down in a safe place, and goes into a shower. Well, one of the most famous scenes in Hollywood ever is her going to the shower, 
and getting up to be stabbed with the very famous music in the background, the screeching. Most of you get stabbed and falls to the floor dead. After this, when the killer leaves, Norman comes into the room in shock, looking at the blood and the dead Marion on the floor, yelling, asking how this could have been done. He that later claims yell, he later yells at his mother for killing her while she you hear her voice in the background saying that she didn't like the sort. To get rid of the remains and protect his mother from any kind of punishment, he hides the body in a suit, cleans up all the blood, hides the bag of money, and he puts her body in her car, then throws it into the river. Later, the police decide to contact Marion is missing when her sister noticed that she hasn't come home. And since the police are already suspicious of her, they decide to follow her tracks to find out where she went and if she's truly missing in the first place. Sam says that she's not at his apartment, which the police suspected, which only makes Marion's sister and Sam more concerned. The two follow the detective, who eventually stop at the Bates Motel since that was the last place they believed that she was found. They asked Norman, who denies that she was ever been there, even though the detective still decides to take a look around. Since Norman's mother comes up in conversation, he decides to go over to her house just to ask a few questions about the situation, just to be sure. When the detective does, the mother pushes him down the stairs, which ends up killing him. Later, it takes a good while to find out because Norman won't let anyone else into his house, they find the dead detective once Marion's sister and Sam decide to sneak into the house for just to make sure that everything's all right. When they do, they decide to look for they decide to look for Norman's mother, which when they do find her, they find out that she is nothing more than a skeleton and around the corner is Norman dressed up in his mother's clothes, talking in a different voice and tries to attack them. Sam stops him from being able to hurt anyone and arrests him by calling the police. At the end of the movie, there's another there's a psychiatrist who after a nail after analyzing Norman gives a discussion both to the characters and to the audience explaining what's happening. He claims that Norman has a personality disorder in which he believes the part of him is his mother, which the psychiatrist believes happened after Norman's mother's death. In doing so, which in, per- in real life, Norman's mother would act very paranoid or upset when Norman got close to another woman, especially when he was attracted to her, which Norman was getting to Marion when he met her at dinner. Since, he's, since his mother's no longer around and Norman takes over her personality, the, that side of him comes out and decides to kill anyone that he deems to be a threat. Therefore, now that therefore they were always one in the same at the end of the movie the detectives end the movie by pulling out marion's car from the river there's a lot to unpack in this movie both from the plot itself which is very complex and based on a true story making it all the more interesting and for the cinematography of the movie itself. A lot of film students study the different frames that Hitchcock used, which really solidifies the most famous shots, the extremely far, the extremely close, large shots, close shots, and the works. I think the first thing to start with is the plot itself, since that's what 
we just finished discussing, it's a bit of a controversy in modern times because of the ending. A lot of people have associated with the ending with a commentary on transgender, on transgender women specifically. Even though I personally don't believe that was the reasoning behind it, especially with the psychologist analysis at the end clarifying this was a separate personality, not a specific gender that Norman felt. The only issue that this causes, even though that wasn't the intent, it has become a common trope in the horror community for the twist to be the man is secretly a trans woman and that's what makes them insane. Obviously, that's not true in real life, and it's a very problematic stereotype that's sadly even used to horror movies these days, although not as common. The issue with the situation, though, is that this character is based on a real person named Ed Gein. Ed Gein was the first serial killer in America who killed three women and was also a gravedigger who he used the skins of to make furniture out of. He had the personality disorder where he believed he was his mother. At the time, people don't know if it, in the real Ed Gein, they're not sure if it was split personality or if he was transgender or a mix of the two, which I think is what makes the ending controversial because even though Norman Bates, this version of Ed Gein was definitely just had a split personality, the inspiration and how people interpreted it took off into his own light, which has become problematic in the trans community. That being said, Let's move on to the plot itself, besides the, the controversies that come with it. Obviously, it makes sense in the beginning where plots used to have to be completely PG-13 to, to having someone die in a shower is a very big jump. And even though we don't see it as super scary at the time, when you watch it, you don't even see her getting stabbed, you just see a knife being shaped. It was very terrifying at the time and truly opened up modern horror. The only horror movies before this were the Universal Monsters like Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, The Mummy, stuff like that, where these were all monsters. The enemy was never human until now. I think the timing is perfect because this is also based on a book, based on Ed Gein, where America realized there was actually a serial killer. How is this possible in our country, America? So a movie coming out shortly after is definitely something to make the audience both scared and think. Here's a fun fact you probably didn't know. Psycho was the first movie ever to have a flushing toilet. Which, as obscure as it seems, at the time, sound was still relatively new, not coming around till the 1920s and 30s. So a lot of objects that made sound were usually not the objects themselves, but other objects mimicking that sound. Being able to record a toilet, well, at the time was new. The last thing that I think is worth mentioning is the music, the score of the movie. Music has always been around in films. Before sound was able to be recorded to accompany the film, someone would play a piano, typically, or any other instrument to have a background to the film that people were watching. Once sound was invented, people typically had background music to accompany the people just talking so it wouldn't just be silence between the conversations when the action was happening. Even, but before this, and in the majority of movies, with the exception of musicals, where music was a very big, it was of a very big importance, most background music was just for that. It was for background. It's just for a lack of silence, so there wouldn't be 
this awkward silence where there should be noise. But Psycho decided to use it for its advantage. The music, even people who haven't seen the movie know the one song of the just the dun 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 because it's so famous and although it's simple, it's one very catchy and two a some uh, accompanied or at least associated with these scenes, these first scenes in modern horror associated with Marion being stabbed in the shower and the detective being pushed down the stairs. It was very important for the plot. It reflected the plot itself. It wasn't just there to support a background. And it was something that actually stuck in people's minds. Music rarely sticks in people's minds for movies, even nowadays, unless it has a very specific song. Movies like Star Wars and Indiana Jones now have songs that people know to these days, which is just another example of movies being music being important to movies. And Psycho helped start that train. And I think that I'm very happy that it does because music and movies is a very it's a subject i'm very passionate about i think even to this day it's underrated but back in the 60s hitchcock agreed with me that it is something that should be important and noted and he did so in this film for sure Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm a very big fan of Psycho as a movie, not necessarily because it scares me, but because as a film nerd, really, I appreciate what it did so much. I'm such a big horror fan, and that wouldn't exist without Psycho. Psycho started this entirely new wave of horror movies that would eventually turn into slashers in the 80s and more psychological films from the 2010s that have become some of my favorite movies of all time. Hitchcock was a very influential director who I admire very much, both from a, a storytelling standpoint and from an artistic telling standpoint. And yeah, I will be discussing other movies that are influential in the future. For the next two podcasts, I'll be talking about The Shining and Get Out, two of some of the most famous movies of all time, the latter being my most favorite horror movie of all time. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast again, and until we meet again, happy hauntings.